This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. I needed a title for this paper, so I came up with Contested Identities, the Importance of Continuity and Adaptation in Serialised Superhero Narratives. Well, that's kind of a slightly more specific, hopefully slightly less unwieldy simplification of my recent PhD thesis, which was titled Crisis of Infinite Intertexts! Exclamation mark! Continuity as Adaptation in the Superman Multimedia Franchise. Continuity as adaptation, that's really the crux of it. My work examines how the processes of continuity reboots within superhero comic book narratives function in a parallel but also frequently uh, intertwined way with the processes of adapting comics into other media, seen most prevalently at the moment, of course, in the explosion of superhero films in uh, superheroes in film and television. Now, I'm sure most of you at a symposium on superheroes will be quite conversant in these terms, but to do my due diligence, when I say continuity, I'm referring, of course, to the accretion of narrative details in serialised storytelling, whereby previously depicted events from earlier stories count as part of an ongoing and notionally consistent canonical history within that fictional universe or digesis. Continuity is one of the key ways in which fictional characters develop and solidify their textual identities. However, continuity is also often a source of conflict and negotiation. To fans of comic book superheroes, the term continuity has taken on a more complex implication, as characters who have existed for decades across generations of creators will almost inevitably face continuity revisions, whereby new writers will actively and intentionally contradict the established fictional history, overwriting it with new canon. These revisions, referred to as retroactive continuity or retcons, are usually implemented with the intention of updating or re-envisaging characters and their narratives in the hopes of courting new audiences or to reinstate previously discarded ideas and hopefully bring back old fans who have fled. Inevitably, this has a disruptive effect on the hero's narrative identities, as continuity-attuned fans will debate their preconceptions of the correct or definitive versions of their favourite superheroes. So the creation, alteration and adaptation of continuity are key to my field of study, especially when examining a property's translation into other media. Now, of course, stories demonstrating internal diegetic consistency within serialised narratives have been around for centuries. Um, A tight attention to matters of continuity is becoming more prevalent lately through um, a lot of uh, science fiction and fantasy television over the last few decades, but particularly of late, uh, of course, through, uh, in fact, one of the excellent papers on just earlier, Uh, so-called quality TV of uh, premium cable programs like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, which rely on tight narrative continuity, but also, of course, uh, the trend of film franchises to not only intentionally set themselves up for sequels, but also to perpetuate interconnected storytelling, 
the most, this is most prevalently seen, of course, at the moment in the superhero films of Marvel Studios currently dominating the global box office into the foreseeable future and expanding their shared universes into multiple television formats. Now, I would argue that American superhero comic books are a uniquely elaborated genre and storytelling medium in which issues such as diegetically shared universes and the resulted intertwining of narrative continuity have developed over the decades into a state of unprecedented and self-reflexive complexity. As such, comics are a valuable topic for study when it comes to some of the more esoteric operations of continuity, which were once really just the province of hardcore comic book fandom, but are now appearing in more mainstream entertainment. In particular, the aforementioned phenomena of retcons and especially the narrative reboot, where a retcon might involve simply changing a selective part of continuity, such as saying that a dead villain actually survived, um, which we've all seen in soap operas, for example. Um, reboots are sweeping retcons whereby all prior continuity is discarded and, and set back to zero usually, again, in the hopes of gaining a new audience. Um, even outside of superhero movies, we're increasingly seeing mainstream narrative reboots in the relaunches of franchises like James Bond, Battlestar Galactica, and Planet of the Apes, twice. More complex meta-narrative processes once used, again, only in comic books, really, are starting to show up as well, such as, the reboot, such as reboots in which the continuity change is actually part of the digesis itself as seen in the revivals of Star Trek and The Terminator, where time travel within the narrative text wipes clean the prior state of continuity, while at the same time acknowledging in story that the previously erased canon did exist, as opposed to a, re as opposed to a remake just ignoring that there was a previous version. Um, so it's these intersections of, of remake, reboot, retcon, all being bound up in questions of adaptation which are key to why I chose to focus my research on a case study of the Superman multimedia franchise. Superman is uniquely well situated to serve as an illustrative example of all these issues, in particular due to him being not only the first superhero, but also the one with the longest uninterrupted history within co the comic medium at that, but also crucially the, su the superhero most frequently and repeatedly adapted into other media across over seven decades for mainstream audiences. This, in turn, means that the Man of Steel has an essentially unrivaled level of intergenerational cultural penetration and a diverse fan base, whereby familiarity with the character and his narrative touchstones can be achieved without the necessity for direct exposure to the source material. Yet, curiously, despite having been in continuous publication since 1938, Superman's comic book digesis has been the most frequently and obsessively reworked of any comparable character, with his origin story, in particular, being subject to many retellings. This creates a type of intertextuality we, we refer to as a palimpsest, where new iterations of canon overwrite previous continuity, yet you can still detect the influences of the early versions quite clearly, like the writing on parchment still being faintly visible after it's been erased. One of the ways in which the different audience bases for adaptations and reboots manifest in superhero franchises is that the elements which become altered through adaptation into other media can often become so much more popular than the comic book versions which spawned them that they can become incorporated back into the comics to make them more closely reflect screen incarnations. For example, 
There have been a lot of versions of Supergirl since her creation in 1959, not all of whom have even been Superman's cousin, Kara Zor-El. Um, a notionally definitive interpretation of the Man of Steel's youthful distaff counterpart have proved elusive in comics. So in the absence of any one clearly iconic iteration from the comics to draw upon, the makers of the recent television adaptation took the basic premise of Superman's cousin and created a specific secret identity, supporting cast and status quo for her, which has little direct precedent in the comics. And yet, due to the popularity of the show, the uh, most recent relaunch of Supergirl's solo comic book has been heavily revised to obviously mirror the TV series in many respects without directly adapting its canon in a process we refer to as a positive feedback loop. One of the really challenging and valuable things about Superman as a case study for reboots and adaptation is that for a character who has had his origin rebooted so many times and, and also through adaptation, um, more than any other superhero, you would think he would be a character rife for a wildly divergent range of interpretations that would hopelessly divide fan bases. Well, yes and no. He remains surprisingly consistent in his essentials, especially when compared to other superheroes of similar stature. Now, the most obvious comparison to draw here is Batman, Superman's contemporary and nearest rival in popularity and breadth of media adaptations. Yet what is curious is that for while Superman has had many more revisions of his comic book continuity and has been portrayed by more than 10 different actors in live action over time, his essential characterization has changed only gradually and minimally. Batman, on the other hand, has been subject to very few retcons in the comics of any real significance. Yet between comics, television and movies, he has been betrayed as nearly everything from Bob Kane's original murderous gothic noir vigilante to a universally beloved deputy of the law, from crazy 1950s comics fighting aliens to the camp of the Adam West TV series, the heavy, dark Frank Miller influence which sort of transmuted into the Tim Burton version and then was eventually, in a sense, cinematically rebooted with the Christopher Nolan so-called realism of the Dark Knight trilogy and some of Grant Morrison's uh, very esoteric meta-narratives uh, in later comics. Whole books have been written about how Batman is a shifting signifier who can represent wildly different meanings and interpretations. And yet, for all this immense variation in tone and adaptation, Batman's continuity and origin story remain broadly untouched compared to the constant tinkering done to Superman's origin. The reasons why are complicated and somewhat speculative. Um, partly, I think it is because Batman's origin is very simple and a relatively timeless urban crime tragedy. It's more of a scenario than a story in some regards whereas Superman's is usually presented as quite elaborately, elaborately narrative, involving a lot more characters, and it ties into changing tastes in science fiction over the decades. In fact, it wasn't until Batman Begins in 2005 that Batman's origin was the primary topic of any adaptational instalment, whereas virtually every media incarnation of Superman has dedicated an initial movie or a pilot episode just to his origin story. Perhaps DC regards Superman's origin story as his only truly compelling and iconic narrative, whereas Batman has had a comparative amount of narrative development over time, partly through his many successive sidekicks 
either dying or graduating to independent careers. This may even have a financial motivation because these become marketable characters in their own right. And if you reset continuity back to zero with Dick Grayson as the first Robin, you can't use your Batgirls, your Nightwings, your Red Hoods, etc., etc. Um, another factor is that despite Batman's greater mainstream popularity in adapted media over the last few decades, Superman is treated in some respects by DC Comics as their flagship character or possibly as the canary in the continuity mine. Because uh, every time DC has some sort of major relaunch of their product line and continuity, the latest alteration of Superman's origin is always front and centre, almost as like a statement of intent of what they're doing with the latest reboot. Superman's diegetic history in comics has been retconned five times in 1945, 1986, 2003, 2009 and 2011 in methods varying from retroactive separation of eras of canon to total reboots to what we call soft reboots where the origin story gets tinkered with but a lot of the intervening continuity is still considered canonical. Uh, as you can see from that list of dates I've just given you, the revision of his origin story has been occurring in accelerating cycles and the types of changes that are implemented seem to essentially alternate more or less between tossing out lots of existing continuity and then subsequently reinserting it uh, when fans or creators find out they missed some element that got chucked out the baby with the bathwater, or the super baby with the bathwater, if you like. Uh, of course, the division between fan and creator is an increasingly liminal one, uh, as virtually all modern comic professionals are, by definition, fans turned pro, although one of our keynote uh, lectures this morning provides an interesting contrast to that. Um, so the, the push and pull of continuity elements across these various reboots has a lot to do with successive generations of creators deciding which elements uh, they think now seem dated or silly only for subsequent writers to decide that they really have quite a lot of nostalgia for these quaint older concepts like Supergirl, the Bottle City of Candor, or Crypto, the Superdog, my personal favourite, and want to reintroduce them into new continuity. This constant renegotiation demonstrates uh, that comic book reboots are essentially... The, the, the implementation, sorry, of comic book reboots is essentially identical to the process of comic book adaptation drawing on a complex web of intertexts from across all prior media iterations to attempt to distill the latest subjective interpretation of what Superman and his iconic history is definitive. It functions both as a process of generational renewal and retelling, but also as a commentative process of rejection and reclamation. Comic book reboots are essentially a form of intertextual self-adaptation. Now, I'd like to finish on two parallel examples that have happened in this year since I finished my PhD thesis, which illustrate this process of cyclical renegotiation of continuity. In 2011 and 2013, there were complete reboots of Superman in both comics and film. And although they differed from each other in their approaches to the particulars, both seemed adamant to set themselves apart from the broadly consistent tone I was discussing of prior incarnations of Superman, as chiefly symbolised by their redesigns of the iconic costume for really the first significant time in Superman's entire history, removing his infamous red underpants on the outside. In the comics, Superman's... In the car, I, I had to choose the most bulging photo I could find, just to... Um, 
In the comics, Superman's hard reboot was part of a wider DC relaunch we've already heard discussed called the New 52, which, again, I'll note, uh, Batman had very little of his continuity changed at that time. But it involved a lot of changes to Superman's status quo, um, such as a brasher new attitude having... Oh, sorry, I've gone too far. Um, a brasher new attitude having never had a relationship with Lois Lane, eventually hooking up with Wonder Woman, and ultimately having his secret identity outed. Meanwhile, in the film Man of Steel, Henry Cavill portrayed a rather brooding Clark Kent whose public debut as Superman occurs amidst a Kryptonian invasion which causes disaster movie levels of destruction and engenders a lot of public mistrust of the traditionally very beloved superhero, um, which continued in this year's even darker follow-up, Batman v Superman. Now, although certainly not without its fans, both these approaches significantly alienated aspects of Superman's comic book and multimedia fandoms, um, who felt that the hero had been mischaracterised or taken too far outside of his usual optimistic and tonal range. Now, the real extremity of these changes is debatable in terms of the wider context of Superman's history, um, and it's also fascinating when compared to the much greater aforementioned spectrum of tonal variation that Batman fans will accept of the Dark Knight detective. But the point remains, this was a common or commonly expressed, I should say, perception for many fans, that Superman had gone too dark and strayed too far away from his iconic representation. So, finish my thesis, cut to 2016, and although neither the New 52 in the comics nor the burgeoning DC cinematic universes have actually abandoned any continuity, what has happened is that the character has essentially been relaunched yet again in quite noticeably reactive ways. On television, the previously discussed Supergirl TV series has launched its second season um, with a two-episode guest appearance by her previously unseen cousin, played here by Tyler Hoechlin. Uh, in comparison to Henry Cavill's angsty, persecuted rookie Superman of the movies, Hoechlin's television Superman is confident... I mean, look at him, confident, happy, experienced in the story. He's adored by the public and trusted by most of the authorities. And uh, I think rather pointedly, they show him putting a lot of effort into preventing a building from falling over <laughs> instead of being debatably responsible for knocking a lot of them down. Uh, over in the comics, they did something even more radical. Um, although not abandoning the broader continuity changes that started with the New 52, DC did another similar line-wide relaunch branded Rebirth, which was a not-so-subtle mea culpa for the unpopular directions that the previous reboot had taken. Um, again, this wasn't a continuity change. Uh, for most characters, this only involved a tweaking of tonal emphasis. But, again... Superman was put in the forefront for a major shake-up. But this time, rather than reboot his continuity yet again, they took the very metatextual approach of actually killing off the new 52 Superman and introducing the previous iteration in his place, having recently established that the older married Superman, his version of Lois Lane and their now son, had actually survived being erased by the previous continuity reboot. So in one fell swoop, readers were presented with a total reversal of all the things fans had responded unfavourably towards about the younger, less experienced New 52 Superman by replacing him wholesale 
with a seasoned, literally patriarchal version that had previously existed with his continuity mostly intact since 1986. They wiped out the last five years, not by wiping out the continuity, but by swapping the version of the character in the continuity. You could hardly get a more gobsmackingly meta demonstration of continuity <laughs> negotiation by which an unpopular reboot of a character in the fandom has been diegetically supplanted by his immediate predecessor in continuity. So, in 2016, out with the new and in with the old. The cycle turns anew, and it surely will turn again, even if they still haven't gone all the way and reinstated the red underpants. But it's only a matter of time. Thank you. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash acmeonline or the Acme website.